This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Take the baseline out. Uh-huh. Take the Hello, everyone, and welcome to another lowly anticipated edition of the Hardwood Knox podcast. I am coming at you, Danpa Valley, as always, with my fine colleague, Andy Bailey. Um, there are some stuff that Andy and I have to talk about that's going to make him maybe a little uneasy or nervous coming up with free agency, but we're going to have to start somewhere else first. Um, although I would like to start, though, with free agency right around the corner and Gordon Hayward on the open market, and Andy being something of a jazz supporter, I would like to know how you were feeling, Andy. Um, I'm nervous. <laughs> As we said before we started recording, um, you're a pessimist. I have actually, yeah, I know. I'm a, I'm a very pessimistic sports fan. I, a lot of my friends and family joke about it. Like when I. Right now, there are great deals to escape to Europe in spring and summer on direct flights to Ireland with Aer Lingus. Stay put in cool contemporary capital Dublin or head off to any of 20 amazing European cities you've always wanted to visit. Classical chic Rome, Paris, the home of romance or London, the cutting edge of culture. Deals are for a limited time only, so hurry and book today. Smart says escape to Europe this spring and summer. Smart flies Aer Lingus. Book now at aerlingus.com. I'm just convinced that the Broncos are going to lose. They win and other teams that I do the same thing. So maybe this is just the pessimist in me, but I've already written two articles for Bleacher Report where I predict that Hayward goes to the Celtics. Um, I still, I, I will adamantly defend the fact that I think that Utah is the better team when he's on the team. Um, but there are other factors at play that make me think he's he's going east. We talked about him before we started recording. I think the east is... Uh, Obviously weaker than the West right now. It has a chance to get even weaker if Paul George and LeBron James go West over the next couple of years. 
Kyle Lowry might go west. Oh, I forgot. Um, I'm sorry, but Jimmy Butler just went west. I didn't even think of that. That's another one. Yeah, Jimmy Butler just went west. The Bulls are going to drop off the face of the Eastern Conference for the next couple of years. Um, and then plus the thing that's always scared me and scares me even more um, since listening to the, the Ringers Mark Titus talk about it is the connection between Hayward and Brad Stevens. And I think it's more than just your typical player college coach. Um, situation like Hayward Hayward had a really close relationship with him in college he was loyal to Stevens when when Purdue tried to sweep in and steal him at the last minute with a scholarship and Hayward's family is like big Purdue fans I guess so there's just a lot of sort of um, other factors beyond just what the team will look like in the the immediate future that makes me very very nervous that he's gonna go to Boston well, I think we're going to have to come back to that at some point, but I agree with whatever you just said. And I, the only thing, <laughs> the only thing I'll add to it is that, and even on this podcast, I was predicting Hayward was going to go back to Utah, but I've started predicting Hayward to Boston over the last forty-eight hours when going on radio shows. Yeah, so. it just—if something feels, something feels weird about it, it just feels less and less likely for Utah. And oh. that's again, maybe that's just the pessimist in me, but right, that'll definitely have to come up again. But I, I think we need to start with the Chris Paul trade that no one saw coming. I believe both yeah. of us were just saying how we needed to double-check that it was a real Woj that tweeted it because it was so random. Yeah, I, I think uh, Samus Fandiari uh, from Warriors World said something about it, him having to check for the blue check mark multiple times. I honestly think the thought crossed my mind because I get mobile notifications from Woj during the offseason. Same. And I, I think the first thought I had was, oh, my gosh, how did the fake Woj's, like, infiltrate the mobile notifications? <laughs> <laughs> it was just a split second. But then I was like, holy crap, the only way I get a, a notification if it, is if it's actually him. So this actually just happened. Um, it blew my mind. I, I know there were rumblings or whisperings for a couple of days that all of a sudden Houston was a serious suitor. But I don't think anybody saw it going down in this fashion. And I think, I think even with all the rumors sort of creeping up, it still felt like the Clippers and the Spurs were sort of the, the top two options for him. It just, it, it took me by complete surprise. Literally a couple hours before the news broke, I had written an article about free agent flight risks. And I, I put like a, a meter on how likely they were to leave. And I came up with like stupid ways to say it. And Chris Paul's classification was Spurs or bust. And then I had to delete it like two hours later because he was a rocket. Um, it's interesting. Spurs just made mo so much more sense to me. Yeah, he. this whole talk about, oh, he wanted to play with another ball handler and play off the ball. Has he not watched Kawhi Leonard the past two years? Yeah, like, like, that's crazy to me. So um, it's uh, – uh, here's the thing that I want to start with first. And it wasn't an unfair trade. If Paul was actually – the Clippers could have tried to call his bluff if he told them he was going to the Rockets. But the fact that he told them – this isn't a you know Paul George situation where he's a year out and he made it very public that he was only going to go to the Lakers, so he just torpedoed his own trade value, which is actually yeah. now on the upswing because of this trade, I believe, but we'll get to that. Um, you know, Chris Paul, I, I don't know if it was the classy thing, but like he gives the Clippers a heads up um, before free agency even starts when he can still opt back into his contract, and they were able to get, I think, under the circumstances – a very good haul. Like Patrick Beverly's contract is probably the second or third best contract in the NBA. Uh, Lou Williams is like a higher grade Jamal Crawford. 
at this point. Much, much higher grade. <laughs> uh, we don't know what, you know, they really have in Harrell or Sam Decker, but, but Harrell's fun. He's like a small ball five, and if you move on from, you know, if you start trading DeAndre and entertain all that stuff. So I think the Hall was fine, but here's – I don't have a problem with the package itself, and you have a pick, and that's where I want to start. The Ted Steven rule is literally the stupidest thing ever. Like, the Rockets traded away their 2017 pick to the Lakers for Lou Williams. But because the draft is over, the 2018 draft is no longer considered a future draft, so the Rockets can trade that pick. So it's just like, that's dumb. This is just like, (laughs) can, can things reset at the same time? Like, because Chris Paul is still on a contract or made decisions on a contract from 2016, 2017, yet we're already talking about how the drafts are in effect. You know, the 2018 draft isn't a future draft anymore. Like, just reset everything at the same time. And that should, that just, <laughs> that makes, is weird. That just makes the idea of something like this a little bit more difficult. I'm just not, you know, like, basically, the Ted Steven rule, it really only is just, or Steppen, how do you pronounce it? I can't talk, but. Um, I, I think it's Steppian. Steppian rule, whatever. Um, just like, so it's basically just stopping like an idiot team like the Kings from saying like we're going to give you our 2019, 2020, 2021 picks in the same trade like without any protections or something. Yeah. So I I just couldn't get over that because it was just like you like what like you know kudos to the Rockets. The things they're doing with the non-guaranteed contracts are fine. I still think the Spurs would have been the better fit even when you had to talk about as long as you kept Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard and you maintain some of that flexibility for summer 2018. I, I I still think they'd be the better fit. Harden and Chris Paul will work it out. Um, I I think this is going to be interesting, though, in terms of what it does to some other free agents, or I guess the trade market. Like we know the Rockets are interested in Paul George, and so now all of a sudden, if you have them just willing to throw a 2020 and 2022 pick at the Pacers, that forces the Celtics to come up on their offer. And if you all of a sudden have Houston and the Celtics involved with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the three-team deal involving Kevin Love looming, the Lakers might consider upping their offer, and all of a sudden you're getting this trade value for George. But now I'm wondering, if you're a free agent, we know there's no incentive to assign and trade financially unless you want to join a team that doesn't have cap space. And now Houston, I feel like, all of a sudden becomes that destination. And they still have, you know, Clint Capella is a great, you know, cheap on his rookie scale. He's about to need an, uh, he's extension eligible, I believe, and he'll enter a strict agency next year, but a nice young rim running center. What if Paul Millsap wants to go to the Rockets and you just trade Clint Capella and Atlanta's willing to eat Ryan Anderson's contract or something, or you get a third team involved um, and maybe a future pick for Paul Millsap. That's, so that's, that's what I'm confused about with Houston having, I think the guy that they could maybe go get is Carmelo Anthony. I don't think they have enough tradable assets to get like real legitimate helpers right now. Like I, I heard a lot about Paul Millsap right after the trade was made. I, I can't think of a team that would want to take on Ryan Anderson's contract. Right there right was. Now. Um, I, and then, but other, than, I think you're right. Clint Capella is probably a tradable deal, but that's a guy I would want to hang on to now that I have Chris Paul. Um, and you see what Chris Paul did for DeAndre Jordan. I, I think I think he'll suddenly become more valuable with two amazing playmakers setting him up. So I, if I was Houston, I would want to hang on to him. I, I think he could be super valuable. Um, I don't really necessarily even know how they'd get Carmelo Anthony unless they do go ahead with a buyout. But it sounds like if he's bought out, he's just going to 
go to Cleveland. So to me, this is this is kind of the end for Houston. I don't see how they can make many more moves. At least it's not all that plausible to me. So I don't think it's the end, and whether or not they actually, I guess. I mean, I don't doubt that they're trying. Right. I just, I, think, I just can't imagine think, many teams would want what they can offer. Now. I think they're going to come remarkably close to getting a big name, and and just hypothetically, you know, if 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 they're willing, you can trade Eric Gordon's contract into someone's cap space. I'm sure that doesn't need a greaser. He, he's another guy that I just. Right, but I guess he just won six man of the year, but I just I don't see a ton of value for him either. I guess he's only making like twelve, right? Right. I don't think so that's easier to move. But. I don't think you get value for him, but I think you could trade him into cap space. Um and then with Ryan But Harrison, how many teams with cap space want to just take on I'm not gonna call it dead money, but I I feel like the teams with cap space are ones that are kind of rebuilding and want young pieces. <sighs> I mean, here's here's one thing I keep coming back to too. It's like Sacramento's going to have fifty million plus in cap space, and every fan in the world thinks they're going to take their team's bad contract. After that, it's maybe Brooklyn, and Philly still has some cap space, but I, I just don't know if there's as many options out there for teams that are just willing to take on money. As, I don't know. I guess it, Philly wouldn't be an option for Eric Gordon because they they have Jared Bayless, but like a team like Philly. Like if if you're kind of itching to make a p- playoff run and you have some cap space, like Eric Gordon as a sixth man is is perfect. Um, Would you rather have Eric Gordon or just sign JJ Redick outright though? But they could do Philly. both. Is my point. Like you put Redick in the starting lineup and you have Eric Gordon coming off the bench and that shooting combination would be. How much cap space do they have? They they can have it the, even with the cap dropping. They can get to around fifty million dollars if they. Uh, oh, wave, I didn't realize yeah, it was that. Wave, much. I thought it was around thirty. No, waive Gerald Henderson, who's non-guaranteed, and renounce Sergio Rodriguez, and they, they have a crap ton of cap space. Oh, okay. Um, well, yeah, that is kind of interesting then. So, like, and maybe that's the only, maybe, you know, I guess that could be it, um, unless, I, I don't even, I'm trying to. I like, wouldn't be surprised if Brooklyn did maybe, something like that, but I think a lot of these teams are also going to see what they can do in free agency first. Br- Brooklyn, I don't think, would take Gordon without, like, a pot sweetener, just because they have, I guess they're all about stockpiling assets, but you already have. Uh, you took on D'Angelo Russell. You have Jeremy Lin, Sean Kilpatrick. Um, maybe Miami, if they don't want to pay Deion Waiters, just sees Eric Gordon as like, a, and they're willing to take. Yeah, another. so that's another team that's going to have to see what happens in free agency first, though. I would think. Right. Well, here's I guess what I was getting at is technically, so if you if you can trade Eric Gordon into someone's cap space, which I believe is feasible, and then you're willing to move Ryan Anderson into the Kings cap space with a pick, like a 2020 first round pick. And I don't. Maybe that doesn't get it done. Maybe maybe you have to include a second. But if you're willing to do that, the Rockets can still, because Chris Paul opted in, they can still technically carve out more than 25 million in cap space if they did that, and still have Trevor yeah. Ariza. So I guess I'm just hung up on the. I'm mostly hung up on somebody being willing to take Ryan Anderson's contract. But if they did pull it off, where why, it was like why Chris Paul hard do that though. If you even if you're getting one pick. You're you're completely rebuilding, Ryan Anderson. How many years does he have left? He's he's got about like three years and sixty million. Here's my thing: you're not. I get your pick is gone in 2019, uh, but Ryan Anderson's game isn't going to age terribly. He's just going to be there to shoot threes and maybe grab the occasional rebound, maybe score on the yeah. occasional drive. Do you want that guy taking up twenty percent of your cap though <laughs> until 2020? If, if I'm the Kings and I. And I'm smart, and I realize that this should be like a, a prolonged rebuild. Even if I'm the Nets, I think the Nets would. I do think it in I might need two firsts for that. <laughs> well, I, that's what Ramona Shelburne, I believe, said on the low post today. But 
I wouldn't if I'm a team like the Nets or if I'm a team like the Kings, I would do it for a first round pick. I you know, maybe even a first and a second. But um but so That's that's I, a long time. Twenty twenty, three more seasons. Uh, I mean But you're I don't know. Like, if they could pull it off, I would be very impressed. They, I think they could if they were willing to. But I don't think cap space is the way they're planning on doing this necessarily. I think they're a team that's probably willing to trade away two more future picks, like in 2020 and 2022. And but I, you, they would still have to send out money because they're, they're going to be capped out. Right, but right that's now, where right? Eric Gordon's contract comes in, is you have that $12 million and you just stockpile all yeah. these other non-guaranteed deals. So if I'm the Pacers... And the Celtics aren't going to give me what I want for Paul George. And the alternative is sending him to the Lakers for like Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle. Or not, you're not even going to get both of them. And I'm looking at two future first-round picks. Yeah, they're, they're kind of a couple years out. Um, but maybe I get Eric Gordon, uh, who, who might be interesting to play at point guard instead of Lance Stevenson or just some extra scoring. That's, that's a possibility. I don't. There are teams that can beat the Rockets' as offers. But are we sure there's going to be a team that beats it? If that was the offer, Eric Gordon and two future yeah. first. So I just think, I'm not even saying they'll end up with Paul George. I don't think they're going to end up with Carmelo Anthony. I also don't think he really does what they need. Like offensively. I gone. actually think, I, I think Carmelo would be better than Ryan Anderson in the Ryan Anderson role. Right. Well, he's easier to If he to was switch. just a stretch four. Right. He's easier to, to, to like switch on pick and rolls. Yeah, I, I don't know if he, him, and D'Antoni could bury the hatchet, but I also the that Rockets, is yeah, that's a concern for sure. The Rockets aren't. I mean, if the Rockets give up a pick and Ryan Anderson for Carmelo, I think that's a bad trade for the Rockets. Uh, I think that's a bad trade for. <laughs> maybe I'm just like unreasonably low on Ryan Anderson, but yeah, you need. I to just chill. have. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't love that deal either way. But, but I, that only happens with a buyout, and I just don't see the Knicks buying out Melo unless he's willing to leave. Like, you know, let's say waive his early termination option and then take a pay cut off the top of this season. I just don't see them um, allowing him to do that. And so I just think they're going to come remarkably close to getting someone, even if they don't. Like, may- maybe it's Paul George or maybe they, like, start to come to a framework for a sign-and-trade with, like, Paul Millsap. Um, I just think with the way they've been loading up on those non-guaranteed deals, I, I just – I expect – something to to either happen or come close to happening. And maybe it's a name. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but maybe it's a name we just haven't considered. Yeah. We certainly didn't consider what went down. Right. With them and Chris Paul. If they can't do anything else and they go in with Paul, Harden, Ariza, Anderson, and Capella, are they the second best team in the West? No. Are they still worse than the Spurs? Are they? I, if the Spurs run it back, assuming they don't have like a talent bloodletting, um, and don't forget the Rockets have Eric Gordon. Like it's just their their core right now is in bed. They have, you know, I actually, yeah, I like their roster, especially offensively. Like there's a little part of me that wonders if both Paul and Harden can average ten assists. Right, and and so they they go six players deep right now very easily. Clint Capella, Chris Paul, and, Trevor, yeah, Reza, and D'Antoni usually doesn't play more than eight anyway. So. Right, and they re- they retained all of their exceptions, so they can they have the eight point four million uh, million dollar mid level exception, and maybe that gets you like a like a Tabo Cephalosha, like part of that, or maybe you use it all. Yeah, on they PJ. would imagine PJ Tucker on this team. That um, would be a good. Yeah, and you also have and the. And this bot- is now a team that I think might attract a couple of those like veterans who play for 
dirt Here, cheap too. Here's their perfect off season, and they don't even need like forget about using like turning Anderson and Gordon into like a star. If they were able to sign PJ Tucker to the mid level exception, and then Kyle Korver was just like, "F it, I'm ring chasing," and then signed for the biannual exception, which is like three point two million. That'd be interesting. That would be scary as hell. Do they still have Nene under contract? The, no, but I think they could probably maybe they get him to come back too, like on, on a cheaper. For deal. the cheap, yeah. He he played for less than three million last year, so. Yeah, that was the room exception, and I guess most people would probably assume that he would get the biannual from them. But I don't know. I mean, he is coming off that uh, thigh injury during the playoffs, but that would be like a that would be their perfect offseason. That if you can keep Nene and he's just willing to come back. Uh, at like the minimum or something close to it, and then Kyle Korver decides to ring chase, and PJ Tucker becomes this mid-level guy. That that would that roster would be all of a sudden you stretch nine deep, and you kind of have some extra defensive versatility with Chris Paul, Trevor Ariza, and PJ Tucker. Uh, and of course, yeah, that's Chris really Carlo. interesting. Yeah, so still probably no better than. I, I would give them a chance at second, depending on what happens with the Spurs. But they need more. Uh, they they need like. Uh, if they're they either obviously if they get another star like if if you swing a trade for Paul George I think you put them in that conversation, um, or you need to sign like two impact players. Yeah, I I do like it a lot <laughs> for Houston. I know they gave up a lot in terms of just like actual bodies, but it wasn't um, anyone. The only one that like kind of yeah it wasn't is, like, Beverly. really cons- yeah, and even he was like, <laughs> I mean he's 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 great for them. He's a hard worker he's the but sort Chris of heart Paul's and soul of the team him, so yeah it's... yeah that's exactly what i thought it was yeah. like his greatest strength was defense and chris paul's even better than him at that right um I, I think it helps that patrick beverly is like three years younger right so we don't know how paul's gonna yeah. age on the defensive end um but again chris paul's an upgrade i think he'll always be really smart defensively right even as his body starts to slow down he'll become one of those positional defenders who's just always in the right place and joe Ingles. I, yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, I'm just – I know that his assist numbers may be depressed a little bit by the fact that he's playing with Harden, but I'm really excited to see what he does in a D'Antoni offense. That and he's a pretty good spot-up shooter. So, like, imagine – Yeah, him, him playing off the ball. Yeah, with Somebody Harden. tweeted the stat. Um, gosh, I wish I could remember who it was. But he had 44 catch-and-shoot opportunities this this past season. Uh, Paul did, or 44 open catch-and-shoot opportunities, and his effective field goal percentage on him was in the 80s. That's absurd. So, yeah, you've got to figure the number of open catch-and-shoots playing with Harden is going to at least double, maybe even triple. Yeah, the Rockets, Um, I believe, they were first or second in the league in wide-open three-pointers, like, created per game last year. And Yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I, I, I get why, I think it was Mark Stein who tweeted that part of the reason he wanted to go to Houston was that opportunity to play off the ball. Um, and I get that for him. He's He's been very much on the ball his entire career. And when I watched Chris Paul play, whenever he would take a shot, it just felt like it was always going in. So now he gets the chance to, <laughs> to take more shots is like a, a catch and shoot guy. I I think he could be incredibly um, deadly in that that role. Can I interrupt this podcast with um, one of the most random 
trade rumors I've ever just popped up on Twitter. Maybe, maybe you've yes. seen it. Um, no, I haven't. I don't have Twitter up. So, <laughs> and I don't want to, I guess, necessarily diminish the potential validity of the report, but this is literally just the, the most random thing. Mitch Lawrence of Sirius XM NBA Radio and Sporting News just tweeted about 30 minutes ago, can NBA offseason get crazier? Yup, Kyrie Irving's name now linked to Jazz with George Hill going to Cavs and sign and trade per sources. I yeah, don't, no way. Yeah, it's first of all, it, <laughs> first of all, it's it's no way because I think you have to give up more than Hill to get Kyrie Irving, and the Cavaliers legally can't complete that trade because they'll be hard capped afterwards, which you're not allowed to do in a sign and trade. So, um, tis the season. Here's is all I'll say. Did you see his follow up to that? No, I didn't. G Hill to Cavs, Kyrie to Utah, part of potential three-way with Paul George, the main headliner, joining LeBron, Pacers seeking top picks. The, the Cavs would literally – I need to pull up my salary cap article um, be, because – so the luxury tax is $119 million now, which means that the Cavs can't have a payroll more than $123 million after the trade that we're kind of talking about here. And – they start off this off season, and this isn't including if you subtract like cap holds for Kyle Korver and Darren Williams and James Jones, they're just going to have a hundred and twenty-eight million dollars on the payroll. So they have to somehow get George Hill on a new contract and Paul George while shaving between five and ten million dollars off their payroll. That's just not like yeah. I've never man. That is wild. I I would not. I'm with you. <laughs> oh wait, Eric. Wait, I'm in love with Eric Pincus now, who works for Bleacher Report and also Basketball Insiders. Mitch George, he literally tweeted what I was just saying. Mitch George Hill can't be part of that to Cavs. A sign and trade triggers a hard cap. Cleveland over that, so it's illegal. I wonder who this source is. That jeez. Um, I did he quote tweet it or something? Pincus? No, Pincus just like tweeted back at him. Um, oh, okay. So it's I hey and I mean I said it um just like that so all right it's, I just thought I'd interrupt with that um, it was a worthwhile interruption so what you were saying I, like I'm excited to see Paul on the Rockets I think it'll be a fantastic fit I still think it would have been a better fit on the Spurs because I I, I, one, I do too I think that they're I better. honestly think the only thing that was going to get close to Curry and KD would have been CP3 and Kawhi. Right, and with the flexibility of if you know if we're looking a little bit ahead, like this, the, the Spurs would have still had some flexibility next summer too, which yeah. would have been interesting. Um, I guess he can play off the ball a little bit more in Houston, but the thing is, is the Spurs are known for maximizing talent when they're aging, and Mike D'Antoni isn't exactly known for monitoring minutes. The Rockets did a fantastic job limiting minutes with Nene this past season, so maybe you know, they noticed that, well, James Harden was gassed at the end of the year. He was playing too much, and maybe they'll stagger Chris Paul and Harden so that they can both play, you know, 30 minutes a game or 32 minutes a game, which seems like, certainly for Harden, I think 32 to 33 is probably the sweet spot. Maybe Paul right around there as well. But I just, I still maintain that the Spurs are the better team if they run it back, unless Houston makes some other additions. And I still think Chris Paul would have been a better fit in San Antonio. 
I wonder what the Spurs are up to this offseason, too. The fact that they got both Pau Gasol and David Lee to decline their player options is interesting to me. Right. Um, do, they, do they have cap space now that that has happened? The, the path to it is still clear. I think they might be better off operating as like a capped-out team so that they can have the, the mid-level exception. Like It just seems you get to keep Patty Mills' cap hold. Um, but, I, I mean... The path to cap space is is there for them. If you you still need a good salary dump, but if it's not going to be Parker, it has to be um, Lamarcus Aldridge. Aldridge. And I, I think you're at who the, I would try to be. I would try to be dumping him. I'm sure they'd try to get. I wouldn't dump him. something out of him, right? But I, I yeah, think, maybe dump is a little. <laughs> we're saying dump a lot. Um, um, maybe that's a little too strong, but uh, I would definitely be looking to move him, and maybe they are. Right and. Uh, and at this point, like, it doesn't need to be, you're not trying to, you know, now we're talking about you want to get in the mix for Kyle Lowry or, or Paul George. Uh, maybe, probably not Drew Holiday, even though he's younger. But when you're talking about those two guys and when you're kind of looking at the market now, um, I wrote about this too. Think about all the teams that aren't going to be chasing point guards anymore. The Rockets are gone uh, because they have Chris Paul. The, the Clippers are, like, quasi-rebuilding and have Patrick Beverly, so they're not, and they don't have cap space. The Kings... Mavericks, the, Sixers, Knicks, and who's the other team? I'm forgetting one. Oh, the Lakers all drafted like cornerstone backcourt yeah. prospects. I, I think the the point guard market could uh, burst. It and might so, not be too lucrative so, this summer. Yeah, so my, my point would be now all of a sudden maybe George Hill's and Kyle Lowry's price tags come down a little bit, and you're looking yep. at instead of having to create you know $34.7 million in cap space for Chris Paul – you know, twenty million dollars for George Hill is a lot easier, or 20, yeah. twenty-five million for Kyle Lowry is a lot easier. Um, you still have to get and Lowry. Of... Lowry Leonard is pretty, pretty. It's obviously not Chris Paul Leonard, but it's still pretty dang good. Right, and um, right, and I think Kyle Lowry's perfect for that. You know, he's kind of like he's like a, a what would you say a, a middle class version Chris Paul. He's never going to have the floor command that Paul does, and he's not. As good defensively, I'm a, yeah. I but, might even say like upper middle class. He's yeah. been really good for so, two or three years. Yeah, and uh, so he would be a fantastic fit. Again, you still have to get rid of Aldridge because you have to assume that Pau Gasol, you're going to give him like at least seven million a year, like for three years yeah. or something. Um, uh, maybe even eight. And I, I, I think if you were now, I, also, and now all of a sudden you have the flexibility if you really wanted to, if you traded Aldridge's salary let's just say, and then you kept, you could technically keep Patty Mills's cap hold on the books and you're still looking at a, a fairly, depending on what you take back for Aldridge, of course, uh, you could still get to $25 million in space, depending on what you take back, or $20 million in space, depending on the salary you take back. And that's with, you know, then all of a sudden you're paying Parker and Patty Mills and Kyle Lowry, but at the same time, you don't know when Parker's going to play again. And Mills would probably leave and, but I'm just saying now. Yeah, I'm not Parker saying, probably won't play at least till like the last couple months of next season, I would think. Right, and so all right, so let's just say Patty Mills goes. Like you can still, you could probably if you dump Danny Green, um, you could then get the space for for a free agent. But I, I would, I still think Lamarcus Aldridge would be the better candidate. And I don't want to say Chris Paul going elsewhere is like a burden off the Spurs' shoulders, but the fact that you don't have to shell out as much uh, to secure a point it's guard, a silver like, lining yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, I think that's um, what they would be up to. I was a little surprised that they weren't on the list of meetings for Gordon Hayward, though. I thought they might try to get involved. I was just going to say, I, 
I thought they might crash that party too. They that, should have. That duo of Kawhi and Gordon Hayward could have been really interesting. Um, one quick note on Kyle Lowry, just because I was curious while you were talking. Since he joined the Raptors in 2013-14, so over the space of four seasons, he's eighth in box plus minus in the entire NBA. Only Kawhi, Chris Paul, James Harden, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Stephen Curry, and Russell Westbrook are better. So if that's your consolation prize, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. I still don't think, obviously, Kyle Lowry and, and Kawhi Leonard isn't um, Stephen Curry and Kevin Durant, but it's closer than Tony Parker and Kawhi Leonard were, that's for sure. Yeah, and the defensive versatility that you had just there, because he's a much yeah. better defender than Patty Mills or Tony Parker, that's big. Um, and, you know, you kind of look ahead a little bit to the summer of 2018, and when you have to account for let's say you're paying Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry a combined, and I'll even throw this on the high end. Let's say you're paying them $45 million combined. Uh, that's a lot different than paying about almost $60 million combined for Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard because of yeah. what Chris Paul's max would be. And so all of a sudden you're more flexible there. Uh, so I think that would be the natural route for the Spurs. I am interest, interested to see what they do if they really can't get a free agent you know how do you what do you do to kind of preserve your flexibility while i guess you could just bring everybody back but the, the sticking point it's probably easy to get david lee and pal and to agree to a short-term deal same with pal gasol uh but do you pay jonathan simmons what he's going to get in restricted free agency do you pay patty mills what he's going to get um and those would be two interesting things to consider if they're not you know adding this tangible impact player yeah, what other option would they have to just go after a, I guess like a mid-level guy? Right, and, but I'm saying if if no free agent does come, you still think they would let those guys walk? I guess it depends on what they're. I mean, uh, Jonathan Simmons, market. absolutely. I think they would let walk. It would depend on what his next contract is and how ridiculous. Uh, Patty Mills is tougher, especially when you don't have. Um, Tony Parker Tony available, Parker, yeah. and you know is Javante Murray ready? Yeah, um, he's probably not ready. The the Derrick Rose rumors are terrifying. Although I do like Javante Murray, I do too. He's been to more conference. The Derrick Rose rumors are funny to me because <laughs> on the one hand, he is a lot like he's he's been a pretty serious negative for the last few years. But I think it would just be like the the uh, the cherry on top of Greg Popovich's coaching legacy if he made him like. A good play. legitimate well, point guard again. If you kind of, if you think about it, maybe he's willing to sign a one-year deal too, because you know his he yeah he, to just kind of like, like he, rehabilitate because he, he just had his fourth knee surgery. But at the same time, yeah. like, what if the Spurs were just like, but at the same time they're they're not going to have a ton of cap space to. But what if Derrick Rose signed a one-year or two-year deal? Maybe they'd be willing to do that. So I don't like it, and I don't think I would be shocked if it happened. But maybe that's a route they go because they don't want to invest long term money, uh, yeah, in Patty Mills. So uh, I don't know. That's that's very interesting to me. But I, I think, and I can't really think of anyone else the Spurs might go after besides George Hill, um, and, and Lowry and Lowry. Now um, I don't know if you like have anyone. I guess Derrick Rose. We no, just named him Derrick Rose and Gordon Hayward has been one that I've thought about for a couple weeks. But you'd think he would have a meeting schedule with them. Maybe since. they'll jump in at the last minute, like. Because you have to imagine after that Paul George went trade went down, 
that the Spurs like had some sort of a summit like of the mind. Yeah, that's probably true. I think a lot of a lot of dominoes um, will still fall. <laughs> Paul Millsap would season. be interesting there, even though he's old. But like maybe you work out a, a sign and trade with Atlanta or something because you don't want to. Or I, I don't know. He would be. He would be. A he would be guy. awesome next to Kawhi. Yeah, he would be fantastic. Um, um, so I guess looking at some of these, I don't. There's just so much to touch upon. I don't even know. <laughs> Like where to start? It's uh, we can so, do we can yeah. do Gordon Hayward's free agency. Well, I was actually going to say really quick since we were on Kyle Lowry, the Raptors are kind of interesting because yeah, they've been interesting to me ever since they traded for Serge Ibaka. And because if if they bring everything back, including him, it's like wildly expensive. Yeah, it's it's absurd. And the thing is, is this could kind of go one of two ways. Like now that Lowry's market is. Not you know he can't he's not going to have a max contract from the Sixers to use as leverage anymore after they get Fultz. So yep. if you're the Raptors, like maybe it's easier for them to find a middle ground because of his lack of leverage, or maybe they kind of like try and play hardball and say we're not giving you a fifth year or we're not giving you a four year max, and he just bails. In which case, all of a sudden, I don't know why you would resign Abaka to a twenty million dollar a year contract. No. At that point, then Tucker and Patterson would obviously be gone. The sad thing about that team is, even if those guys do leave, they still won't have cap space, right? If Lowry and if Lowry and Ibaka are both gone, they're still their hands are still pretty much tied because of DeRozan and Valanciunas. Am I wrong? You so. I need to look up their no, so they uh, salary would, real quick. If they got rid of, they wouldn't have a ton of cap space, but getting rid of Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry's holds would put them like right at the salary cap 99. line. Yeah, yeah, around there, maybe a hundred. And then if you get rid of the, you know, nineteen point one million dollar total holds on Patterson and Tucker, now all of a sudden you're working with, but you've lost four free agents, and now you have, you know, let's yeah, say fifteen million dollars to replace them. Um, the other th- the other contract that's tough for them that they can't get out of is Damari Carroll. Yeah, that would probably take fifteen million next year. But there's a light at the end of the tunnel for that. They'll probably be able to trade him at least next off season, and maybe yeah. you know he wasn't bad defending in some isolations last year. Maybe you can get by with him as a small ball four. Just try those different things. Uh, it would probably be better. The, the I don't know if uh, I don't know if Dwayne Casey's willing to do stuff like that though. He hasn't been so far. He might have no choice. I, well, I guess yeah. it's interesting because they they probably should try and trade Jonas Valanciunas, even though his deal isn't terrible. There's obviously Carroll. I would, if I was them, and I knew that I could get Lowry back, I would trade Demar Derozan in a heartbeat. If yeah, that's do. what I was just gonna say. Did you see? Uh, I don't remember if it was in a podcast or a tweet, but Zach Lowe said I'd at least offer Derozan for George just to see what they say. And they probably say no, but but I'm, it'd be worth a shot to right. to get out. To get out of that contract would be very valuable. Is it at the point where no one would trade for him without a sweetener? Because I'm not he. I don't want to like demean his offensive game, but at the same time, like I'm yeah. like, go down the list of teams. Like who's giving up anything for him? Yeah, uh, overall, he doesn't help you that much. I don't think. Um, and at thirty million a year, that's that would be tough to stomach for any team. Maybe Phil Jackson, if he was still in New York and running the triangle, would have. <laughs> yeah, he'd probably give it a shot. Now, and I, I'm with you. I like a lot of what 
he can do offensively, but he was I mean, his playmaking kind of fell off this past year. I feel like, but in 2015, 2016, granted it was a contract year, but I feel like he was running pick and rolls like crazy, and there was literally, um, but it was just he was he looked so versatile and he shot. Yeah, his assist numbers were starting to shoot. come up. Yeah, I guess he still averaged four this year, which is that's decent for a wing. Um, but it's still it's just the shot selection and shooting 47% from the field is good, but um, you got to be able to hit some threes and you got to play some defense <laughs> to have value nowadays. Right. So that's, yeah, that's a tough spot to be in. And maybe, you know, if, if Lowry decides to leave and you don't really know what to do with Ibaka and you're not going to keep Patterson and Tucker, maybe that's what gets uh, Ujiri to start looking at the Knicks situation in the yeah. office. Um, here's a scenario I thought about. What if, so we know the Hawks are open to signing and trading Millsap. It's like, what if there's a team that's, and I'm, I'm going to suggest one, but what if there's a team under the cap, can make room for Lowry, and then still has the assets to work, assign and trade for Paul Millsap, and you should know where this is going because I'm talking about Denver, who's already been linked be to, to Paul Millsap a bunch of times. But you know, if you I go, love the idea of a Millsap-Jokic frontcourt. And, why, you know, pair that with having uh, Jamal Murray still on the roster with Kyle Lowry also running point. And you can offer, you know, if you're willing to give up one of your trillion stretch fours that you have now. Yeah. Um, you have Trey Lyles. You have Tyler Lydon. Uh, you have Juan Martin Hernan Gomez. Gomez should have some value. So I like you, him. If you were willing to offer one of them and, you know, Kenneth Reed to match, like are the Hawks saying no if they're planning on getting rid of Millsap anyway? You need to, I guess you need to throw another salary in there to make it work. But you have Darrell Arthur although that's a lot of fours to give to Atlanta. But still, it's workable. So you go out, sign Lowry, and then try and broker a trade for Millsap. And, like, you've kind of – the only thing you've really given up at the end of the day is, uh, you know, one or two of, of your superfluous prospects. Like, maybe it's even Will Barton, who's going to be a free agent after next year anyway. Uh, so give up two, like, of your excess luxuries, and then it's cap space that it costs you. Like, in one of your contracts to match salary um, – to get Millsap and Lowry and then to still have Jokic and still have Jamal Murray. And maybe you definitely get out of a sign and trade, in my opinion, for Millsap without giving up Gary Harris. because So that's just, that roster's scary, man. Yeah, I feel like any team that's going to be talking with Denver this summer is is going to be asking about Jamal Murray. Right, um, but in, in a sign and trade, you just don't have the leverage to ask for a prospect like that. That's Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, I would love that lineup if they had Lowry, Millsap, and Jokic. And I the the numbers with Jokic and Gary Harris when they were on the floor together, that offense was absurd. And Millsap um, is, Millsap is granted he's a little older, but if you can get him on a three year deal, you're already seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So it's just like he's a he's, I, so he's I the think perfect he can do a lot of partner what, for Jokic, right? Exactly. Uh that's that's where I was going. Like Jokic's only weakness is Defense, which can be a big one, obviously, but <laughs> his only weakness is half the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually, I think it, I think it's a little oversold with him. Um, I don't think he's as bad as as people think he is. Maybe just aspects of his defense. I just don't are think weakness, that the but... Nuggets as a whole, when you watch them, like he just wasn't in good situations. I don't know that he'll ever be the guy uh, that can defend in space. But if you kind of have someone that's just a little bit more versatile at the four or a little bit more exactly. reliable like at the Mil-Sap. four. Yeah, he was well, like Mills. Yeah, obviously. But yeah. Then he, he can be that stationary rim protector, like or closer to it. 
and just patrol yeah, the just, paint. But just put your arms up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I think Millsap's a perfect compliment too. I know that. Um, I think Blake Griffin has been linked to them too, which I think is is also very interesting. It'd be fun offensively, I think they're two but it'd of be the a best like, defensively. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think uh, him and Jokic. I just did this the other day, so I should remember it. But I, I'm pretty sure him and Jokic are one and two, or like two and three all time for assist percentage for six ten plus players. So the passing between those two would be unreal. But like you said, the defense would be nightmarish. I don't know if it would be worse than Gallinari and Jokic, but it would still be pretty bad. I think it, um, I think the defense would would be worse because Gallinari is at least a little bit more like he he could defend some threes. If you have Blake Griffin like switch a, a one th- a, you know like a four one yeah. pick and roll, it's just not gonna. <laughs> Although Gallinari is pretty bad on defense, I do um, not deny that. But with with Denver, I mean, it's all about just outscoring people anyway. So um, yeah, I think I think Millsap is the better. Now, they're a really interesting team. Go speaking, ahead. speaking of Griffin, though, we didn't touch upon this as a result of the Chris Paul trade. The Clippers. Do you think yeah. Griffin is going to be back with the Clippers? So this is actually... Uh, I, I did a poll on this on Twitter the other day. I said, is it more or less likely that he returns now that this trade has been done? And it was like 76% said he's more likely to leave now. And I, to me, it would be a little closer than that because I get him wanting to, to go now that it looks like the Clippers aren't going to be contending for anything. But I feel like there could be a little part of him that thinks, now I am the man. And, and there, is, um, there is some pull to that, I would think. It depends on the player, obviously. But uh, what, I don't know. What do you think about that? I, kind of, I mean, so Blake Griffin, now there's talk that he might not even be ready for next season, the start of it. And he's missed more than 80 games over the last three seasons. He's yeah, that's a, his health is a big, if, big problem. And they don't like it's never they don't necessarily seem to be related all the time. But if you, if the Clippers are going to throw you five years and one hundred and seventy two plus million dollars, how I just you would have yeah to I don't think, know how you can turn that down <laughs> right. And if they're and again I think he's in the same boat as Hayward though. So if you and well we didn't bring this up with Hayward, but at twenty eight, if you sign a three year deal. And you a four year deal, excuse me, and you opt out after three. You're 31. You're still in your prime. You're going to cash in one more time. If he has confidence, that's a gamble he can make. And I think at 28, I don't think you're necessarily in a position to headline a rebuild. So, so for me, it is it is more of a gamble with him though, because if if he continues to get hurt every season, right. And then, then it's going to be hard for a team uh, to give him that ten-year veteran supermax. Here's here's where I kind of fall on it. If the Clippers offer him that fifth year and the full max, it's it's done. If they're willing to go that far, if they don't, or if he believes that he's going to opt out after he wants to opt out after three years anyway, if his goal is to get to free agency one more time before his thirty-second birthday, I think he should and would go to Miami because I don't think Miami's going to get Hayward. And uh, it's interesting with Miami. So Whiteside is kind of like a lesser DeAndre Jordan, not nearly as good defensively, but again, a lesser DeAndre Jordan. Goran Dragic uh-huh. is like this mid-end Chris Paul, again, not nearly as good on defense. Except, so you have that similar dynamic, let's say, between those three as the Clippers' big three, but now you have the Heat, who who actually own a track record of getting good supporting castmates on the team. Yeah, that's true. You look at what they did with Rodney Magruder and what they've done with, Wayne Ellington, they still have 
just these and wins a coach though. who has really right. maximized a lot of players. Right, and look, James Johnson, Deion Waiters, they would be gone as a result of the Blake Griffin addition, uh, but they they revived their careers or salvaged them or made their careers in Miami last yeah. year. So that for me, that would be the pick for him if he's leaving. If he's not, I mean, in a vacuum, I think he's a better fit uh, in Miami at this point anyway, just because of where the Clippers seem like they're headed. And I want to know when the Bucks are going to make a trade offer for DeAndre Jordan because that's the dream for me. Uh, <laughs> but if he is going to leave Los Angeles, I would Miami to me would be the best fit. I like it much better than Boston and even much better than Denver. What about uh, Phoenix? There's reports that he's he's meeting with Phoenix this Look, weekend. I think it's great that Phoenix is consistently relevant. Um, <laughs> They're trying, in yeah. Pursuits, but I I don't see it. And you have so many front court guys. Like what? Yeah, know, that. And they're like Bender and Land and just Marquis Chris. It just goes on and on there. Right. So unless you're also planning to kind of like turn around and then trade. Josh Jackson should probably play some four. Right. I mean, you. I don't think he would be like one of the reasons to factor in. But with all those other guys, and you don't know what's going to happen with Land or Allen Williams. They're both restricted free agents. Um, yeah. So it's just. Uh, I I think I don't think they're like a real threat. I know they're really interested in Millsap. I mean, if. Millsap's different because if you're willing to just pay him the max, you know, like it, and no other team. Yeah, why? Give him why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. So, um, somebody there will be. I think even though Millsap's getting up there in age, I think there will be one or two teams that'll drive his market up. I don't think the I don't think the Nets can get there without dumping a salary, and I don't necessarily think they have the salary to dump. Uh, but the Nets would be in a heartbeat for me. Would be interesting as a team that could. Yeah. It would be they're they're better positioned to max out like Otto Porter or Contavious Caldwell Pope on that type of offer sheet, but that would they would be a team. They love know, going for those restricted free agents. Uh, you might as well in their position. Yeah. Um, so I, I think now it's safe. So what do you what's your call on Blake Griffin? Because you seem pretty torn. Man, I don't know. Um, I think he'll probably leave. I, I my guess is he would bet on himself. Even though it would be nice to be the unquestioned, no, like unquestioned number one guy um, in L.A. And he does seem to like uh, being around Hollywood. Like he does stand up and he's in commercials and uh, he's a pretty good actor actually. I I do think the chance to win and, and just maybe a fresh start is going to win out. I, I would probably so of the two options that you gave. Um, I think bet on myself and try to get the 10-year Supermax around 31 is probably what he'll end up doing. That's what I kind of lean towards, too, for some reason. But I, I feel like both of us are underestimating the power of that five-year deal yeah, that I have on him. Yeah, especially with – there's got to be somebody in his camp who who at least is making him aware, like, dude, this security <laughs> would be nice for you. Yeah. But who, who knows? <laughs> it's tough to predict – all of this. I mean, yeah. I mean, the Chris Paul of the Rockets trade is just like, yeah. It, it's almost like and why this are we even doing this in podcast? general has been. There's been a lot of surprises. Like that was the biggest one, but I didn't. I don't think anybody saw the Dwight Howard trade coming. Um, the D'Angelo Russell one was kind of surprising, even though there was rumblings about them moving him. It happened, I think, quicker than I than I thought it would. Um, and I think the off season is just going to get crazier and crazier. It's like we had an episode a few weeks ago where we were all excited for this offseason to see our team's going to try and catch the Warriors or are they going to try and wipe the slate clean and wait till they're bad again? And 
to me, it's been every bit as fun as we anticipated. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's good to see, I think, what it signifies with this Rockets-Chris Paul move, that maybe there will be more teams who are prepared to try and go at the Warriors, even if they yeah. fail, than people were like, oh, people are just going to fold. Teams are going to fold. The fact that the Rockets didn't, I think, is a, not a sign of what everyone's going to do, but it's you know maybe the Celtics get a little bit more aggressive. Maybe the Raptors try and work them out. Maybe the Wizards... We know they want Paul George, even John Wall kind of trashing Otto Porter as he's asking for Paul George. Yeah, that was terrible. That was absolutely dumb. Like that, I don't know yeah. if his heart was in the right Dude, place. I don't know, know if know you should ever talk about your current teammates. Um, so I want to blow through, since we're kind of getting to the time limit here, I want to blow through a, a couple more uh, issues. What my, my favorite understated one is Andre Godala. Like what? Did That's you see, suddenly gotten bigger today, I think. Did you see my tweet? This afternoon about it. I don't it. think so. So, like, if, you know, he's... So, there are supposed to be, like, seven teams that are going after him. Um, I, I, I did like see that. It's going to be... And I said, like, Timberwolves are going to offer Iggy three years, $60 million. Iggy's going to accept. And then the Cavs are going to send an unprotected first-round pick to the Wolves for cash considerations. Because, it's <laughs> like, it was a joke. But, but, like, what I'm getting at is if, if your teams, like why not just chip away at the Warriors Foundation in any way you can? And you know you can't do it with the core four just yet. And if you offer... People said I was stupid for saying three years, $60 million, But one, uh, Shams Tarina mentioned $20 million a year in his I think he's going to get around there. Right. And three years, again, I don't. that's not a good contract. But, like, if Iggy has... First of all, three years, after year one is over, you see the light at the end of the tunnel. And there is yeah. a chance with the way Iggy defends uh, and with his playmaking, like you could get at least two good years out of him. And it's and the bonus, especially for a team like the Timberwolves, who might be kind of a bona fide playoff team now, and they're not necessarily going to challenge the Warriors, but they have an incentive, I think, as a team that's competing to try and chip away at that foundation. And, you know, if I'm the Kings, I'm overpaying Sean Livingston because you have that kind of... Uh, he can back up De'Aaron Fox. We know he doesn't care about coming yeah. off the bench. You could find extra minutes for him um, at the two and three, and maybe he's the good locker room presence you need because they don't really have that veteran right now uh, after waving Anthony Tolliver, which I thought was kind of dumb. Um, how much of an impact do you think it makes on the Warriors if he leaves? I think a lot of Warriors fans would call me crazy for saying this, but I think there's a there's a decent argument that he's their fourth best player. Oh, for sure. Maybe Clay Thompson's a better player, I think, defensively because of how strong Andre Godala is and his ability to match up with James. Um, and I guess he could his ability he to run so the point guard. He does so much more as a playmaker, too. Right. And so, I mean, <laughs> Clay Thompson is an unbelievable scorer and shooter. I, there's nobody who gets hot like him. Like sixty points in twenty nine minutes, thirty seven points in a quarter. But those things happen. Like once a year, obviously. Right, and 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 Iguodala is just such a steady force on both sides of the ball. I think the Warriors. So the Warriors, even are though always, he doesn't score. The, yeah, the Warriors are going to always have enough playmaking and enough shooting, I, and it's I, not that I would say Iguodala is expendable, but we we say this now until you know what happens when Tabo Cephalosha or PJ Tucker just agree to take a pay cut to play for the Warriors after Iguodala leaves. It's just yeah, I don't. I think those guys are significant steps down from him though. But P.J. Tucker on defense, I think, would be comparable. 
he's good, but I don't think uh, to me PJ Tucker guards threes and fours. Right, I feel like Iguodala right. can reasonably guard like one through four. Um, and run the offense. Like I think a lot of the way, a lot of the reason that Stephen Curry can get so many like off ball opportunities is because they have guys like Livingston and Iguodala, and maybe they can. Maybe they think eventually Clay Thompson can grow into that, but he sh- he hasn't shown it yet. It would hurt, especially defensively in the playoffs. If we're looking at specific matchups against LeBron James, it would. And again, that's why I think some teams should, and maybe they will. I, I think they definitely. Do you should. know? Uh, do you know where Iguodala ranks in real plus minus? Um, position just, wise or NBA? No, this is the entire league, all players. Uh, twelve. And this is just. This is just okay. So it's not quite that high, oh. but twenty six, which bad. is still really high for a reserve, and that's just one number, obviously. Um, but man, I think he's really, really important. Now, would, uh, is losing him a big enough deal for me to pick somebody else to win the title? Definitely not. But um, I, if I'm a team, I'm I just certainly doing think it. it's impactful. Right. If I'm Phoenix, I'm considering doing it. You know, if the the Paul Mills at Blake Griffin things don't work out. Uh, that's just something I'm also interested to see. This is totally random. I want to see who's going to overpay Andre Roberson to get him out of Oklahoma City. Um, <laughs> Maybe Oklahoma City. The other thing I want to talk about before we him. get, because Hayward's my favorite topic, so I wanted to save it for last. The Knicks. Okay. I don't think we can get away without talking about um, them. The I was elated. Did you see a tweet just um, David Griffin while we were talking from Shelburne? Yeah, that Griffin has been in touch with the Knicks. Right. That's a good move. I think the names that have been thrown out there, even though they're probably smoke screens, but even Zach Lowe on the low post today said that R.C. Buford is someone that the Knicks were looking at. And my response was like everyone's response. Why would he consider leaving? And Lowe was just saying, there's one, James Dolan's going to double your salary at least. Yeah, I was going to say they could just throw tons of money at him. And two, if you turn around the Knicks, of all franchises, like you're, you're not, you're just <laughs> go to the, you're in the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. So, um, if the appeal is how futile you are, then the Knicks have a lot of appeal. If that, if that's what we're judging, um, but also they. Threw hey, out- can I? One more thing on Iguodala. I just noticed this. Sorry, he had a higher true shooting percentage than Clay Thompson last year. Yes, I actually did know that. So that's wild. I think you anyway, make the case he's their fourth most valuable player. I don't. Like Clay Thompson, I think, I think I'm vacuum, pretty comfortable saying it. Yeah, I guess I just feel like Clay Thompson just individually is a better player, but Iguodala is more valuable to what the Warriors do. Yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. Anyway, sorry I cut you off. You're talking about your favorite team. My least favorite team. Um, <laughs> so the names and you know Masai Ujiri, David Griffin, R.C. Buford's like a complete just pipe dream, but but I think that. Um, I, I I think that the fact they're looking at these names is probably a good idea, but we have to see who they actually hire. And while James Dolan was right to fire Phil Jackson, the timing was just bizarre. Like, you let him yeah. make your draft pick. Um, <laughs> what is your appeal to free agents? I know Steve Mills is going to be better at pitching free agents um, than... I think the number one pitch is we don't have Phil Jackson anymore. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't, I think the Knicks should go after... If they're gonna go after like an aging point guard to try and like bridge the Neil Aquina era, era, excuse me, uh, Kyle Lowry would be fantastic. They can they they're gonna have trouble getting to even twenty million in cap space, but they could carve out more by you know maybe you move 
uh, Courtney Lee. You're not going to move Joakim Noah, most certainly. Maybe you're able to finally move <laughs> Melo, but he would be a target. I just don't. I don't think they're going to appeal to anybody. Um, and so, I guess my my opinion on them to kind of just put a bow on it is it's good that Jackson's gone, but the Knicks have yet to prove that once they pivot, that they can pivot into anything productive. And even when they, you know, yeah, sometimes accidentally off. do, like Donnie Walsh, he was pretty good. Like, he still traded away draft picks, and then they, they deviate away from him. And then they fire their president, Glenn Grunwald, after that 2012-2013 campaign. They just never make sense, and I don't think you can trust them to make sense now. The silver linings for me is, or the only silver lining for me is, if the Knicks are actually appealing because of their financial resources and their crappy-ass basketball for the past couple of decades... Uh, James Dolan kind of showed he'll stay out of the way with Phil Jackson in charge. So if you get a David Griffin, if you get, for some reason, a Maasai, and you're able to just let them do their thing, that's probably the most encouraging. We have to see who they actually put in power because that's the only way that you're going to be able to tell whether this team is finally on the right track. And as a last thing to say, Phil Jackson, I don't care who was talking about this, how lucrative the trade packages are, trading Kristaps Porzingis, and making the inquiries and being publicly uh, open about him being available is one of the stupidest things that, that I've ever terrible. seen from an executive. Yeah. You, people are like, well, if they get two draft picks, you literally make those trades to get, take those picks to get a player like Porzingis. Yeah. So to, to use him as this means to dump Noah's contract is He's dumb. like a potentially generational player. Right. So it's just, and, you know, who would have thought that the contract the Knicks couldn't, shouldn't have given Joakim Noah is actually what saved uh, them from trading Kristaps because no team was going to take his contract. Yeah, that that whole thing was insane. I couldn't believe when he was making those public comments about that and the the comments themselves. I just thought, what are you doing? Dumb as, dumb as hell. And it would be so Knicks now to turn around because they're probably not going to hire anyone before free agency is over. They're just going to go out and try and like overpay Jeff Teague or something. Like He's already been linked to them. <laughs> Um, yeah, which think, would still be better than Derrick Rose, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I guess that, well, I guess Derrick Rose would at least have the benefit of being on a short-term deal, but, you know, I don't want to, yeah. is George Hill a good fit with the roster? Yes. Uh, Jeff Teague might be, even Kyle Lowry, but, like, these dudes are older. Like, even Jeff Teague is going to be 29 at the start of next season. Like, let's cut the crap with this already. Like, you know, like, let's like yeah. have them rebuild. I thought about George Hill while you were talking, but I but then I thought it just <laughs> seems like he would be much more likely to take, like, Five million a year last to go play for the Spurs, right. or some other team that can actually win. So it's and again, he'd be a good fit, but like he's he's thirty one. Yeah, um, I think now's a good time to get back to Hayward, and I'm noticing that, and this is kind of interesting to me. The the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, uh, David Locke. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, uh, yeah. He published why Gordon Hayward should stay with the Utah Jazz on Medium uh, about fifteen minutes ago. Interesting. I find that very interesting that he's a very, he's, I listened, he was on the low post recently. He's intentionally passionate and he knows his stuff. And I, I like yeah, listening he does. to him. It's just, it feels like a little bit of a, is that like a gray area of having like the radio voice of the jazz publish that piece? I, I guess it's not, but that's kind of, that's kind They've of a, given him quite a bit of freedom with that postcast or that, that uh, podcast. Right, so maybe it's not. I just so I they must be okay with it. I'm not saying it's good, bad. I just I found it interesting because I don't, you know, you don't see that. No, you really don't. There aren't a lot of radio announcers who have as much of a voice outside the play-by-play as he does, though. 
And he's, again, he knows, like, some of the stats he throws out on Twitter and even hearing him talk on Lowe's podcast, he knows his stuff. Yeah, he does a ton of research, for sure. Um, um, for Hayward, and this is the point I was making before the podcast, and we touched on it with Griffin, what swayed me now to say he's going to Boston is that Hayward's 27. He's wildly underrated. He was finally an all-star. He's – if. If if I'm him, I want the four year deal to set myself up for the supermax after three, and yeah. you immediately like the Jazz lose that leverage of the five year deal. Like maybe 170 plus million dollars is too much for him to turn down. But if the difference, if we're looking at this as he wants to set himself up for th- free agency again in three years, the difference between getting eight eight percent raises with the Jazz and three uh, and excuse me five percent raises with another team is just you know. That's going to be like a difference of like six million dollars over three years, or maybe ten million, and that's not going to be too yeah. much. Um, why why couldn't he do that? Why couldn't he set himself up for the supermax with the Jazz? Well, that's the Jazz's fault. If they if they don't let him go exploring in restricted free agency, they he doesn't you know what he won't have another he wouldn't have had this player option after three years. They could have gotten. What I mean of, is, why can't what makes you think? they wouldn't give him sort of the same or he wouldn't take that same route here. No, I'm not saying he wouldn't, but you lose a bit of your leverage because now technically yeah. the money is equal everywhere. And I think you can fairly easy talk yourself into the Boston Celtics with Brad Stevens with the potential to maybe trade for Paul George. Uh, that's an easy situation to talk yourself into regardless, but it becomes exponentially easier when the money is essentially equal. Yeah. I think it's there's a lot of factors to think about that make it like it like I said at the beginning of the podcast I'm really nervous. There's what you just mentioned um I think the east is significantly worse than the west. Uh since I've been playing the pessimist most of the time, maybe I'll make a case for him to stay. Um Are you just going to say Rudy Gobert and sign off? <laughs> I could. Uh, I I feel like that should be enough. Um so in Utah, I think in Boston, even, especially if they get Paul George, there is reason to believe that he could be like a third and on some nights even a fourth option. And I don't know if that's – I don't know where that ranks on his list of priorities. In Utah, he's the unquestioned number one option. Um, in Utah, he's also a potential – like legendary player i I think if he finished if he played his entire career in utah he would go down as no worse than the third best player in franchise history behind carl malone and john stockton he'd probably get a statue next to those guys um in boston to me he's just he's just another on a long list of names in this storied history which that could have its pull too for boston um to have a chance to be a part of that history I, i think that could play into it the other thing with Utah and you mentioned it already it's Rudy Gobert and I could just say his name and sign off but is he even as good as Hassan Whiteside though oh my gosh you know I'm trolling you right (laughs) I know I know but you would not believe how many Heat fans still think that do you remember Um, way back when when like Gobert was first starting his rise and and so was Hassan Whiteside and I wrote an article about who would you rather have and I picked Gobert and people like freaked people the probably out. went ballistic. Yeah. yeah, they still they will still push for Whiteside to this day. Um, 
I talked about it on Twitter today, but it's super annoying to me that the majority of the articles and podcasts and other stuff that I hear about Gordon Hayward's free agency, if they're talking about him going to the Heat, they talk about how he makes sense with Whiteside or they, uh, with Celtics, they talk about that situation. Most of these prediction articles don't even mention Rudy Gobert, who to me is the best player in any of these three teams. Um, he doesn't do as much on a basketball court as some other guys. Like he's not a great passer. He's not a great shooter, but what he does defensively and what he does as a rim runner, it, it makes more of an impact than any other player on any of these teams. I think, um, he was second in the league in win shares this season. The only player I had more was James Harden. I, I think he was like ninth in real plus minus. He was first in true shooting percentage. And the other thing that's really perfect about Rudy Gobert and Gordon Hayward is Rudy Gobert's usage is like 15. It's like half of what Isaiah Thomas's is. He took fewer than eight shots a game this year. <laughs> so you have this perfect complementary player in Utah along with um, being a legend – Sticking with the team that drafted you, I, I think there is some pull, and I do think Utah makes a ton of basketball sense. But like I said at the beginning, <laughs> something just feels like foreboding with this whole thing to me. Do you know one of my biggest, I guess, the, the to detract Hayward from signing in Boston? Does it necessarily make sense to have Hayward and Paul George on the same team when they effectively play? Like I don't, I don't want Paul George or. Gordon Hayward playing the two, and you're not going to – how do you play them at the four um, if you still have Jay Crowder? Like, because you have to assume that the the Pacers probably don't give up Jay Crowder in a Pacers deal uh, just because – I've heard a few people talk about this, how it's like a weird fit if they get both George and Hayward, and I, I actually don't. That wouldn't worry me at all if I was Boston. Um, well, you talk I'm, about pecking I'm order. Like fully... Where does he go – in that he's he's fourth, right? You mentioned that if, if George Hill's uh, excuse me, George Hill, Paul George. I think he him. would he would probably be third. It would probably be Thomas George and Hayward, and then Horford. But I, I feel like there would be some nights where like Horford might get more touches. I get. I mean, but what I was saying about positions is I I really don't think it matters. I think Hayward I can just, play two through four. I think George can play two through four. I think you just have Thomas, three guys who play three positions, and Horford. My, my issue is, is I don't want necessarily Hayward and George having to defend consistently some of the guys who might play the two, or when they're going to have to because Isaiah I feel Tom- like you could trust George to guard twos. Well, you can trust well, Jay Crowder to guard fours. Well, right? here's my here's my thing: is that Isaiah Thomas can't guard ones, so you're going to stash. Yeah, him he can't on guard lot. anybody. That's a good. That's a you're good gonna, point. You're going to stash him on on a two, most likely, or a three, and then all of a sudden you have Hayward or George defending a lot of point guards. But the thing about it is, um, I think one way to cover for Isaiah Thomas is get as many like switchy, rangy wings as you can. And I, it makes it a little bit more powerful. You know what? The Celtics of all teams are going to make it work. But it's just like, you know, between having those. So let's say Gordon Hayward, um, Paul George, maybe Jay Crowder, and then also having maybe at least one of, if not both, of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you don't really have like an actual shooting guard in the bunch, which again, is, which to me is fine. I like, I honestly think in 10 years, it's just going to be like four small forwards in a center. Right. But the, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking in terms of how many. I guess when it's by committee, you won't have a problem defending so many point guards. 
that's just the issue. And you have Marcus Smart. There's a lot of potential there, but a Jimmy Butler type to me would have made more sense than a Paul George type. Oh, I actually going after Hayward. I actually thought Jimmy Butler made more sense than Gordon Hayward when oh, they so were my, when they were like seriously considering that trade during the draft. It just because he's on a cheaper contract, he's got a couple years left on right. that cheaper deal, and I actually think he's better than Hayward. Um, he, I think he is too, but I think if you were ranking in terms of players that would be easier fits, like just coming onto a new team and fitting in, I think it would go that, Gordon Hayward. Yeah, you'd probably go with Hayward there for Hayward, sure. Hayward, yeah. Paul George, then Butler. So like Butler would have been the hardest player to fit in. And Paul George might even be uh, easier to fit in because he doesn't need to play on the ball as much as Hayward, but Hayward's a lot more adaptable than people give him credit for. The Yeah, he was completely off the ball before... Um, Ty Corbin took over like that's all he did was really like a catch and shoot guy for Al Jefferson now what is the re- this is the here would be my final question what is the reaction if he leaves in Utah like are they going to be bitter I think they'll be pissed at first but um, it, it won't be anything like Darren Williams or Carlos Boozer I, I, I think it'll be like amicable within a year probably but I, I think there will be there'll be a fairly volatile reaction at first, at least from like the most passionate crowd. I mean, me personally, like you said, I've become a jazz fan ever since Bleacher Report assigned me to them like five or six years ago. And so I'm I'm, like not as passionately connected to the team as some of the fans are, but I would, I would be upset, but I would actually, there's a little part of me that thinks it'd be kind of cool to see him play for Stevens. So um, I don't know if there's a lot of fans in that same boat, but, I guess my overall thing would it, it wouldn't be as bad as Darren Williams. <laughs> I think just because of how like the campaign to get him to stay, I, I think they would be. Yeah, that could build up some of the hostility, like the whole stayward thing, and right. The, uh, his wife posted on Instagram the other day a picture of a grade school class. The teacher had the students, like all thirty students, write letters to Hayward to to convince him to stay. And his wife took a picture of the letters and posted them on Instagram. <laughs> um, wow. Also, yeah. <laughs> his dad's been liking some jazz stuff too, right? Oh, I haven't seen that. I think he like liked a tweet about trying to convince Hayward to stay in Utah. So we talked about the Instagram clues for Hayward to Boston a couple episodes ago. It's, it's only fair we talk about Instagram and staying in Utah. I, I think right now... <laughs> I. I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed in Utah, still in Boston, but I think it might just be slightly at this point, like 55-45 for me. Like, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion by any stretch. Yeah. Maybe I would go, like, like uh, 50-40-10 or something. Like, there's a tiny little chance it happens for Miami. Do you? I don't. I just don't. You don't see any chance? No, I just don't. I'm not going to be one of those people. I'm that always says, well, worried about those Pat Riley meetings, man. Pat Riley, I don't think he knows what he wants to do this year. He was talking about keeping his own free agents, and he's talking about signing stars, but then he's talking about having a plan A and B, but he doesn't have a plan C. Like it was just, I, it's certainly, I, I would say it's a distant third, but I, I'm not ready to like fair. completely count them out. So, um, I think that kind of wraps this up, and um, that means that it. It's going to be time for an honorary certain segment that we have neglected the past few times, and it is called Bacon! Bacon! Where's the bacon? I smell bacon! 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 Gotta be bacon! Only one thing smells like bacon! That's bacon! 
So I kind of wanted to touch really quick upon all these layoffs that have been happening um, in the writing world. And, and most recently it was Fox Sports. And I don't know if you caught that piece on Awful Announcing uh, about the behind the scenes, uh, how that came about. And with MTV now doing it too and all these sites shifting to just video and going all in on video. That's some of the dumbest stuff that I just like the logic is just stupid people will still read i understand the landscape is changing and i don't necessarily want to get into that even though i think any place that gives up a writer like dan carson or or brian phillips from mtv mtv like those are objectively just dumbass decisions like you're just losing talented people and as far as videos go i don't you know, I'm loyal to the people that do them that I really like. You know, a Howard Beck video for Bleacher Report, I'm going to watch. And I'm going to watch a lot of Bleacher Report videos because I work for them. But I'm not sitting there watching these ESPN and Fox Sports videos. I don't give a crap what hot take uh, Tom Cowherd had at Fox Sports that you can turn into uh, a, in, then an aggregation of your own information. Uh, I just don't care. And I understand it's different in the industry, but people need to find a way to monetize writing and maybe better monetized podcasts now they just need to do a better job of it because these are talented people and there's still a market for it there are all these si writers tweeting out these long form pieces because one of their uh idiotic editors who does like these hot click lists was talking about how these people how the today's america i guess or today's industry the the audience doesn't have the attention span to follow these long-form pieces like i get it there's going to be short-form content the viral stuff it, it all matters and i do a lot of slideshows that stuff it it matters and i understand the landscape is changing but to just commit so far to one side is so dumb and i think we need to pour one out for these people and the last thing i'm going to say is when you have people losing their jobs talented people losing their jobs do not go on twitter and talk about how thankful you are to have your job. Do not go on Twitter and talk about how these people's work is worthless because they're not hot clicks of half-naked girls or guys, whatever you're into, in bikinis. Like, don't, like, get off your goddamn soapbox and let these people have a moment and kind of just pour one out for them because this is, this is sad. And I, I don't want to be the old man that says it needs to be all writing and let's get back to newspapers. Like, I get it. So many people are affected by this industry. But, like, let's not – let's get off the high horse and, like, let's understand that these are people, talented people, who don't have places to work immediately and they might never get better jobs or maybe they will. But when you have talented people who are good at their craft all of a sudden not being paid to ply that craft, something is wrong. And yeah. that turned out to be longer than I thought. But that Fox Sports no, fine. piece was like some of the, the crappiest crap crap that I've ever... The Jamie Horowitz guy is just like, he's a moron. Like, it's just, it, it, that strategy is, is just terrible. And I don't care if he was using that meeting where he trashed everyone's work as a warning and, and pushing this all in video. It, it's a dumb strategy. And even if it partially works, I come back to the fact that you have people who are amazing at their job and good at their craft not plying that craft, not being paid to do it is it's objectively stupid. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, the ESPN ones were obviously like the most publicized. I didn't, I didn't know. I don't think I knew really anybody from that round, but I just, I still felt awful for every single one of them. Right. And then the Fox sports one really, I, I mean, that hit home. There was, yeah, there was nothing like that really warned me about that one. It just kind of came out of nowhere. And I saw it, 
first because of Dan Carson, who you mentioned, who is just, I so think he's talented. hilarious. And he's unique. one of the... like his, that, And the whole thing is trying to find a unique spin. And like what Dan Carson does is unique as hell. Yeah, he's hilarious. I think he's one of the best people on basketball Twitter. Um, Without question. And when you mentioned him, I thought, why not just put that guy on videos? <laughs> right, and that's the other thing. If you're going to pivot into this, why not try developing some of these writers yep. into that? You know, writers exactly. can be adaptable. They might be socially awkward, but they're pretty adaptable and versatile. Like, give them, like give them a chance of writing off yeah, go of other people's coattails. Uh, uh, this stuff just, like, that gets me. Even, you know, you brought up ESPN, and I think there was more... There was clearly more to that. It was cord cutting. I think it had more to do than just with the strategy shift because they were talking yeah. about versatility. They're like hemorrhaging money bad. Right. But to lose Ethan Sherwood Strauss, again, objectively dumb because he's talented. And then the thing mm. that got me is they talked about how they need people who are versatile. So, of course, naturally, um, you should lay off Mark Stein, who does so much of your NBA reporting yeah. on TV. He does a lot of your soccer stuff. That That's not versatile at all. Yeah, it's very weird. I don't know if I'm like many internet users, um, but when I go to an article on like Sports Illustrated or really any any website, one of the very first things I do is get rid of that autoplay video that yep. almost every website has now. I don't it's, care about the videos for the most part. It seems like an advertise like the advertising like the companies that are paying for advertisements they seem to prefer video more than the audience yeah, does, and I don't necessarily have stats to back that up, but it's. You know, and if I'm on a subway, if I'm traveling, like if I'm at, well, I guess I work remotely, but if you're in an office, like you're going to read something before you watch a video. Yeah, I am for sure. So it's, so yeah, that's weird. To commit this far into it to me is just stupid. And we're clearly biased, but I think there's something objectively wrong with what MTV and Fox Sports and and other sites uh, have done. Where even, you know, a place like Vocative is just shuttering uh completely their their sports content or what you saw with yahoo uh you know kelly dwyer and eric freeman's still yeah. writing for them but i think he was part like that's just that just doesn't i don't know that that stuff it, it, there seems something objectively wrong even stepping away it's, from it yeah it's definitely uh it's definitely not the happiest most cheery time to be a writer i like like you i feel for all those guys right and been laid off it's and, awful and i think we just need to keep like i don't want to hear the tweets about or see the tweets read the tweets i can't talk about oh i'm just so fortunate to be where i am and oh it yeah. makes me thankful i work yeah. for so-and-so company like shut up i like, agree that's not necessary you, at you're, all you're expendable we're me and you are expendable just as much as yeah. anyone probably more I, so I, than I most. could go anytime yeah yeah so it's just and especially at the like the day of when you have that si guy i can't even remember his name right now kind of just preaching from a soap like that stuff is just like shut up yeah, I agree. Um, if you want to lament this uh, <laughs> plight that's uh, um, taking on writers with Dan on Twitter, he's at Dan Favalli. Um, I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. The show's at Hardwood Knox. As always, uh, we are glad you guys tuned in. We love a uh, subscription on iTunes or Blog Talk Radio. Give us a rating or a review. Any of those spots that would help us, we'd really appreciate it. Um, We'll be back again throughout the off season, talking about what's all the craziness that's bound to take place over the next couple of weeks of free agency. And uh, until then, we leave you with the sign-off and the shout-out to Bina Udri. 
iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Hi, I'm Rick, store director from the Mill Valley Safeway. Our pick four sales back with over 100 items to choose from. It's simple. Mix and match any four participating items. That's right, any four. They don't have to be the same, so mix and match away. Here's a few to choose from. Lean Cuisine and Stouffer's Simple Dishes or Signature Classics Entrees, 6 to 13 ounce selected varieties, only $1.77. And Kellogg's Cereal 10 to 12 ounce, $1.69 each when you buy four. Look for the red tags in store. This is Rick from the Mill Valley Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.